Welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi Podcast. This is episode 151, if you're counting. My name is Aaron, and as always with me is Dave and Fredo. How are we doing, guys? Hello, hello. Hello, doing great. And uh, so uh, we're, this is a, uh, welcome to the week before Star Wars celebration, everybody. Um, so we don't have any news for you because nobody's talking about anything because everything's going to be coming out next week. Um, so, um, yeah, you, you haven't heard a single thing of, from Giancarlo Esposito because he's being kept on the lock and key. Yeah. Right. Because otherwise he might leak everything before celebration. You know, and we're, we're going to talk about the Mandalorian tonight. We're going to talk about this, the season, uh, finale of bad batch. It was two episodes. Um, but I'm kind of just as a little thing, I'm kind of, are you surprised that we have not seen Giancarlo Esposito yet? these episodes into the Mandalorian. I mean, it sounds like it's coming, but uh, I, I was kind of surprised that they, uh, I thought they would get humming on that right away. So actually I kind of thought that that would be where they would start the story and we would get to Mandalore at the end of the season, mm-hmm. but instead yeah. they went straight to Mandalore. So I'm, I'm not invited to those planning meetings. So it might be good. Um, I mean, I would make the argument that it's good because uh, he might suck up all the oxygen with all his drama. So uh, we're just getting we're getting good yeah, uh, character like, development for some other people right now. That's kind of like season one, um, you know, where we didn't see him until the last two episodes. So anyway, we didn't know he ex- we didn't know he existed until right, the last two that's episodes. True. Uh, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, there, there's also no Saints news. Um, there's uh, not a lot. So, man, we're just going to start talking about nothing but Star Wars. What do you guys think about that? Um, so, but first, let's do, uh, let's do some trivia. And, uh, all right. So, to Fredo. Who briefs the rebel pilots on the Death Star trench run? That Gen- General Dodonda? Never said his name Judges, would will you accept that answer? I'll be the judge. I'll say yes. Yeah, it's it's Dodonna. Yes, but Dodonna. I, I will. There, you there's know, so many D's and N's in that name. I, I. By the way, I have said this. I like when you watch a Star Wars movie. Everybody's name. They could be, you know, not typical Earth names, but at least that they sound normal. But when you read a Star Wars book and you have like five consonants in a row with an apostrophe in between the third and the fourth and it's like come on (laughs) michelle Michelle hunter would agree with us there was a period in the late 90s early 2000s when all the old uh expanded universe extended universe or legends imprint you would know it was an alien because there were at least three apostrophes in that name and you're like how do you pronounce this? You know, you at, to read this? at least, you know, it's like, I can't make that argument when I'm reading something from planet earth, you know, because I, I can get on the Google machine and find out what the correct pronunciation of a certain name from a certain part of the world and figure that out if I don't know. But here it's like, you have no context. So anyway, but yes, general Dodonna, we will get off my lawn anyway um, to Dave. What rebel hero is rudely insulted by a protocol droid in Cloud City? What rebel? Oh, okay, go ahead. 
C-3PO. It is C-3PO. Yeah. By, yeah. It's like C-3PO's, like, twin, uh, <laughs> you know, brother from another mother or something, which, by the way, we will talk about that in the Bad Batch season finale. That was an interesting twist at the end there. Spoiler alert. Not that C-3PO has a sibling, but, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. That might have been the first occurrence of a duplicate droid in the mm-hmm. in the saga that we saw on screen. Um, I'm trying to recall if we saw any other R2 units, but I don't think we did. You might be right. You might be right. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. To me, how many tentacles? Oh, come on. Um, how many tent? How many tentacles sprout from the? gigantic blue head of twilight uh, twilight senator orn free ta how many tentacles sprout from the gigantic blue head of twilight senator orn free ta uh that's two right four you got them in his chin area too right you're thinking of masamata am i Orange no. Taws, the big, big. Yeah, the George dude. Lucas, right? No, no, that's not George Lucas. I thought George Lucas was dressed up as that guy. No. Oh gosh, who was George Lucas in the opera scene then? Because uh, he was in there, wasn't he? Yeah, but he wasn't a Twilight. He was just a, a blue George Lucas in a in a captain's mm. hat. His name was Baron Apanoida. Well, of course it was. Of uh, course it was. But Orn Free Ta, I have I have the action figure here somewhere. You, you want to know his full name? Not Luisky Papanoida. That's easy for you to say. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking it's like, come on, George. That, he really can't be his name, his name, his naming capabilities. But by the end, it was just like, whatever. I'm not Lucas. We're a far, we're a far cry from uh, Ben Kenobi, um, which, by the way, uh, my wife sent me an awesome. Uh, it, it was a reel off Instagram. Probably somebody made it on TikTok or something. But it was, it's like when you, you, it was a stand-up comedian talking about how you do realize that um, Harry Potter is nothing but a Star Wars remake, and it's because with, with it just goes bad lightsabers. Well, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah with bad lightsabers you got. He said, let's think about this. We've got, you got an orphan kid who's living with his aunt and uncle who don't like the magic slash force. And then, so he learns about this magic from, well, and the, the guy who takes him to his aunt and uncle is the same guy who then comes and picks him up and takes him off on his adventure, Hagrid or Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then it's um, from there, but then he continues his training with an older, uh, older guy and it just and then is what was it he while it's like the relationship of luke and leia is like harry and hermione but hermione likes the scruffy comic relief whereas leia likes the scruffy comic relief of han solo it's just it's yeah it's hilarious um so anyway um all right well so yeah let's talk just a quick bit about uh celebration what are you guys excited about what are you hoping that because we're not going obviously um but what are you what are you hoping will come out of it what are you expecting to come out of it i'll lead i hope we get and i think we'll get a an ahsoka trailer 
that's almost guaranteed that because it's the next big show coming out and uh we've seen that they've been working hard at it we know that there's lots of rumors about the cast uh, when we get to mandalorian we're going to get to one particular cameo and i wonder if we're going to get to see a few other characters from shows past hit that stage of celebration and i imagine that's going to get the biggest pop of celebration uh for me if there's one thing i'm looking for is i'd love to see finally some sort of announcement about the movie the alleged movie that's maybe coming out uh just because it'd be nice to know okay so so that's right lucy yeah so with lucy no lucy lucy was saying don't get your hopes up fredo there ain't no movie gonna be announced (laughs) whether it's 2025 or 2026 just the idea of no okay here's when you can expect it because we're gonna have plenty of star wars to keep the titles over until that moment but just when is that happening so that's my hope dave what are you hoping for expecting uh, y'all covered it. I mean, really, this is what we're going to see, I think. We, we're expecting to see the new shows. You know, some, maybe some stuff with the Acolyte and the... Um, um, it's true. And uh, the other... God, I'm blanking on the other Because they one are there. filming the Acolyte. They are. Yeah, they're working yeah. on that. And, okay. And they're also... And I don't know if you saw it. I shared a link to it. They are filming Andor Season 2 right now yeah. in Valencia, Spain. And there was a moment that oh, leaked yeah. out of of um Cassian with Mon Mothma and they were running down the side of a building. Well, not side of a building on a, on a walkway near a building. Right. So they were, they were I don't pretty. imagine we'll yeah, I don't imagine we'll get uh anything having to do with Andor season two. I would love, yeah, you're right, the acolyte because it's it's the biggest unknown right now outside of the movies. Because we can we know we're gonna get Ahsoka that's coming. We know we're gonna get skeleton crew. We'll get oh, a, you know, that might that's coming later this see. year. Yeah. Because yeah. again, we haven't seen it. I imagine we'll get a bit more about Vision season two and some that, of the other shows coming down. That, Visions is technically the next thing up, right? And so, like, we're going to get, a, a, so. yeah, we're going to get a really strong trailer there, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe some panels and discussions. So. Uh, I, I want to see some live streaming. And I think, like, that was sort of like up in the air for a while there. And I think the last that I read that is that we are going to get some, um, because like, that's, that's a huge connection point for all the people who can't go and just, they want to be, they kind of want to be in on it. You know, they want to know what's going on and they want to see some of these reveals happen. Well, if, if not in real time, as close to it as possible. Yeah. The, the bummer is when on those live streams, like when it comes time to show you the footage, that's when they turn the screen blank. And so you're going to have to wait for somebody to put it up on YouTube or something. Um, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, That's usually only like a half hour or something though. So it's like, even with that, you're like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, but yeah, like, Especially like some of the panel discussions and stuff. I like that. I like hearing these people like bounce off of each other and joke with each other and all that good stuff. You think we'll get a Return of the Jedi 40th anniversary panel some kind of way? Because if you look at all the merch, if you're looking at all the merch uh, that Celebration's having, there's a lot of 40th anniversary of Revenge Life Return of the Jedi stuff on sale. So I imagine you could get 
No, you can fly Harrison and Mark and Anthony and well, Billy D over. Uh, okay. Um, so people were hoping for that when I went to Celebration Chicago with the anniversary of Phantom Menace. And, you know, oh, we're going to get Ewan and we're going to get Hayden and we're going to get, you know, Liam Neeson. And what we got was like all of the the B-list. You know, it's like we didn't, you know, we got, you know, the guy from ILM, uh, John Knoll uh, oh. and, mm-hmm. and Doug Chang. And it's like, um, so... So be careful what you hope for there. Um, but um, how about just real quick, let's let's have a fun. <laughs> let's not disparage those ge- fine gentlemen. Though, no, either. that's what, but, <laughs> but I mean, it's like, you know. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah I, you know, but uh, um, so let's, let's have some fun and make one bold prediction. One bold prediction. I will, I will start. Lando is back. The Lando Disney Plus series is back. That's my bold prediction. That they're going to come out and say we got we got Donald Glover on you know on you know signed up. We're good to go and we're starting to write this now. I think Lando is back. I have no basis for that. It's just a bold prediction. So I think if they had not. changed uh, presidents and gone back to bob uh that it, that would have been like more of the standard operating procedure right now we were just like full steam ahead more shows more shows um so like in that sense i might have agreed with you maybe not that specific show but just another live action show um i don't know like bold Okay, so how may how okay. about maybe Lando is back, but it's the next it's a movie. Okay, so anyway, Dave, bold prediction. Maybe. Um, I'll just say something Return of the Jedi related that we didn't know about yet. Um, we know about the from a certain point of view novel. Um, and we know the anniversaries here, and um, I think there are a couple other smaller products that we're aware of, but. There's something like big that's Return of the Jedi focused for the for this the anniversary. That's my prediction. They're gonna they're gonna fix the Sarlacc from the special edition <laughs> and go back to the way it was. No, 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 no. That's canon now. We all saw Boba Fett. It's canon. You can't you can't. Jedi, Jedi rocks. Jedi rocks get yeah. so excised. Yeah, that there you go. <laughs> um, that gives me an excuse to put uh, Jedi Rocks into the into the podcast now. So Apologies to everybody listening to this. Uh, Bull prediction. We need a video uh, version of this now, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. All right, Fredo, bold uh, prediction. 
Bold prediction, I think, uh, and I was trying to think about it, I think Dave Filoni comes up and announces the big Disney Plus uh, shared episode movie or event, the big shared mm-hmm. event that they're going to have. I yeah. think that, that that's been rumored now for a while that they're driving towards at some point Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Book of Boba Fett, maybe even Skeleton Crew, that there's going to be at least one moment for all these cast and characters are going to get together for something. I think they'll finally start saying, this is coming next year. They won't tell us when, but they'll tell us it's coming. Star Wars Avengers. Yeah, I've seen that's, some things about that. I mean, that's not yeah, a bad call. And, and, and Filoni has talked about that, actually. He's he said that mm-hmm. that's, you know, he's kind of been coy about it and said, you know, I, I mean, everything, they're all in the same time period, so it could happen. Yar, yar, yar. Look, Law, <laughs> so. Law and Order did it for all their shows at least once a year. Star Wars, Disney Plus and Star Wars shows can do it once. So, yeah. Well, now, I, I will say about this that that's kind of tricky about this, that they don't have the advantage of a catchy title. Like the, like Avengers the Avengers did and the Justice League did for like this mega crossover thing. It's like, what do you call it? I don't know, you know. So um, it may not have quite the same punch, but I, I, I mean, people would go bananas for it regardless. Well, you know, and you can, you could also, I mean, yeah, it could be any title. It's like Captain America Civil War. You don't, you know, if you went into that blind, you didn't really realize it was going to be another movie of all of them, you know, because it's labeled under Captain America. So anyway, um, okay, let's talk about Bad Batch. So I, I that want, was the heartbreak. I want to I want to I want to point out the uh, and we'll probably talk about both these episodes in like one big clump um, because that's basically what is going on. But I I will say um, I think it's funny how last week I was ranting about you know um, you know fans shipping uh, two characters and what do we start off with? It's like um, you know Wanda Sykes character Vi you know basically throwing down hints to to tech and a came out of nowhere but b at least they wrote it into the script so then we can all you know be behind it but then that just i was like well okay i guess i I guess we know who's going to uh not have a good episode now (laughs) uh, but uh yeah if you believe in that sort of thing and and it came true um, but like, I will say like, it wasn't like completely out of nowhere because like the two of them had a rapport that she didn't have with basically any of the other characters other than Omega. Um, this must and... be me being oblivious. Cause I don't remember an episode unless it was the Indiana Jones episode when they were. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I'm, like, not, I'm not was... disagreeing with you because yeah. I've been called oblivious for, you know, my entire uh, you know, adult <laughs> life. Um, so, I mean, I, I picked up on a little bit of that and I thought like, eh, there might be a little something between those two. Well, I want to and... thank you for not shipping until it was written into the script. Yeah. So I appreciate that, Dave. 
I also do think that we're meant to believe that time has moved forward. Like this isn't days after the yeah. wave crash on the island world in which they're in. So there's been some time uh, the Bad Batch have kind of settled into life on, uh, I believe it's Pumba, if I remember Pumba. What? <laughs> yeah, Pumba. Pumba. The name of the island is Pumba. Yeah. Pumba. Uh, yeah. When I anyway. was a young warthog. Exactly. So no, uh, so we're meant to think, okay, time has kind of moved forward. They've settled into a quiet life. When Echo comes back in the last episode and says, hey, this is going on to our brothers. And they get the message, uh, half a message from Crosshair regarding what's going up to going on with him. So it, it creates an idea. Maybe there's been a budding kind of relationship that's even built across uh, yeah. uh, moments we haven't seen. Yeah, you know, when you, when you start saying, hey, you got to come back, you know, you got something to live for, or, you know, you got one week to retirement, you know, right, yeah. start worrying, start yeah. worrying. Might as well put a red shirt on him. Um, so <laughs> the the thing that I was cracked up about is like, wow, the Empire has um, leadership retreats, uh, <laughs> like, like every other big corporation, um, because they got what you got, Tarkin. I was kind of giddy over the fact, I mean, Krennic was in there. Um, Amanda Krennic. Yeah, Director Krennic. And they dropped, you know, Stardust and stuff like that. Um, who, who are, there was like one dude in there that was, they, it was like we're on Dateline to catch a predator. I mean, they obscured his face and he was talking about how he served with clones and stuff. Do we know who any of these guys are? I mean, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get paid full-time money to go, diving into these things like you know the people on youtube um but i just wondered if you guys had heard anything because it seems like we should know who some of those guys are yeah there was uh i remember i saw at least one video there was a couple at least one general from clone wars uh I forget his name now but yeah it's, it's some of these are characters that have for a moment there i thought that one of them had been yolari i was wondering that too but i didn't know why they would sounded been... similar you know. But it's just that I love the idea, like you said, that the Tarkin is calling everybody. He's already got enough power, first of all, to have his own Teen Titans tower that's shaped like a T on top of a mountain. Uh, uh, but I love the fact that he's able to call other people. Okay, sit, you know, everybody come in, give us your reports, what you're doing, what you're spending the Emperor's money. Yeah. And uh, there's a bigger goal that he's got in mind. So, so two things. One, why do... Um powerful people in movies and such men actually probably in real, but put themselves on the top floor of every huge skyscraper type or, you know, castle. I'm thinking of like Lord of the Rings. stuff like, it's like, you got nowhere to go except down. Oh. I'd put myself on the ground floor. Hell, I'd put myself in the basement maybe, but anyway, um, that's just, nah. uh, but, uh, number, uh, two, I will say, that this new baddie hemlock mm -hmm. is uh, he's a good evil dude he's a good evil character and it's one of those where he's not mustache twirly or uh, just the fact that he is calm and it's just everything that comes out of him is just you know pure like nazi evil is all I can come up with for it. It's, but it's just a, we haven't had a baddie like that in Star Wars for a lot, for a while. 
he yeah. does yeah he's you always hate to draw comparisons to real life evil but there's a element of dr mengele to him very much a i've been tasked with a purpose by the emperor i will see it through and the fact that he's already able to look at the clones as quote unquote imperial property yeah they're not living human beings they're not soldiers who you know serve the empire for years in battle nope they're just items that i can use in order to get what the emperor wants whatever that may be and we kind of suspect we know where that's going because all the cloning elements but uh it's horrifying and scary because he's not right he's not he's not even having the explosion of anger that you see out of tarkin when stuff happens it's very much calm measured you know he's very much on a similar nature to like a snake he's very chill even though he's doing all sorts of evil stuff the, the, we're sort of dancing around the conversation that they're having there which is about the clones and about the future of the clones and clone rights and keeping this stuff under wraps because of the potential for not only public outcry but actual um attacks and insurgents and, and um it's all kind of interesting stuff because like this is the kind of thing that they've been building up towards i'd say for for a number of episodes and, and so now we're getting to the point where yeah the empire not just the emperor understands what's going on here um the bureaucrats are now involved in it and it's like there's a level of complicity there that that extends downward that um there are multiple people here that are committing uh human rights violations and uh basically like well we don't want anyone to find out about it let's just make sure no one finds out um and and that's a that's an uncomfortable story to tell but i think like it's befitting these characters because we've talked about them being soldiers and how they have to reintegrate themselves into society yes but also like what does their perspective tell us about the larger universe um and part of it is this ugly stuff um that people don't like to talk about or shine a light on necessarily and yet here we are talking about it um so i i thank the show for that um it took us a while to kind of get here right but we're here now so i'm i am appreciative of that you know fredo you mentioned it uh, you kind of alluded to it anyway uh you said you think we know where we're going with all this cloning stuff and obviously i think you were talking about the whole exegol thing and the and somehow palpatine you know, came back. Somehow Palpatine returned. It has uh, returned. And, yeah. So, so here's my, here's the thing that I, I again, I want to know, I want somebody to ask the question at celebration of somebody, or at some point I want, I want an article or a book or something to tell me what came first, because if I'm just going to assume, right, let's just go chronologically here. You know, so Rise of Skywalker is written. We have this whole Exegol thing and the, the Emperor has cloned himself and, you know, yada, da da. 
is it is it that and then dave filoni goes oh awesome so we can you i i got some ideas then we can you know we can make this all make sense or was it you know get to the end of uh, the last jedi and the, the people are going oh and jj you know, abrams is like going, oh god what do i do what do i do what do i do and dave filoni says well how about this because it's one of Dave Filoni's original ideas. You know, that's, I, I'm not going to ask you what you guys think came first, but though, that's the thing that I want to know is like, how did this, because what Filoni is doing with the Bad Batch and a little bit with the Mandalorian as well, um, is that he's making Rise of Skywalker not so offensive. And I, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, yeah. and so is it retconning or was it, this was, you know, because right now they say, oh, it's all part of the plan. But I want to know, I want to know, I want to play by play of, you know, how this worked. So go ahead, Fredo. Well, I was just going to say, this is, you know, we referenced the extended universe slash legends world. Cloning came, you know, the very first uh, post uh, Heir to the Empire. So actually Heir to the Empire had clones. Uh, and so did. Uh, what's the name? Dark Empire, the Dark well, that's Because line. before, Which, before, before Heir to the Empire, the only thing we ever heard about clones was you fought in the Clone Wars. So that was it. And so it exactly, made us all go so, bonkers. <laughs> so, but the idea of so the idea of cloning uh, has always been there, and when you combine that with the idea that Palpatine's big goal is to find a way to live forever. You know, I mean, that's, the, it, that's, set up, that's, four, that's why I asked, was this, you know, something that was set up in Revenge of the Sith where, you know, with, you know, Palpatine looking for everlasting life, you know, um, so as critical as we all have been and how clunky it was the you know, the execution of it in Rise of Skywalker was horribly clunky. Um, Not clunky. Yeah. Um, but has it has it been? You know, is is Kathleen Kennedy correct when she says this has always been the plan? It's always been Palpatine. Oh, it's. I've always said I don't necessarily need the neck, the current and future Star Wars properties to figure out a way to make Rise Skywalker make sense. It, it its flaws and its qualities will make it stand or fall on its own. From an overall story idea, it's not the worst, and I do like the sense that. They're not hitting you upside the head with a, this is how we made this happen. It's peppered in here. It's it's a big key of what's happening to the Bad Batch, but it's not, you know, it's not like mandatory. Like the Bad Batch are a show about a family and therefore that's what we're focusing on. It's a big, it's a kind of a big deal regarding Mandalorian, but it's not the drawing force of the Mandalorian. Mandalorian is all about that family, uh, Din and Grogu. So, so uh... the key point is still the same, even though we're getting this element of the empire underneath focusing on some kind of way of extending life by any means necessary. So it took us down a little bit of a rabbit hole there. Let's get back into the kind of what happened in the bad batch. So they, they go to where we're having the leadership retreat and they're going to um, try to get crosshair is what they're trying to do. They're trying and to free as many clones that, that, that are there. Right. And they, they, bump into stormtroopers who just happened to be saw Guerrera and his people. That was, I was like, ah, all right, cool. This is nifty. Um, and we have an instant, like, you know, we, we see the, the, the first, 
you know, problem with the rebellion where you have, you know, no, you're going about it the wrong way. Well, we should be doing this. And so they have a little bit of spat about tactics because Saw Gerrera is going to blow the whole building up. Doesn't care who's in there. And the clones are like, hey, Bad Batch is like, hey, we need to get people out of here. And there's intel in here. So I, I found that interesting that we're setting up that uh, because that's another unexplained thing. It was just dropped in Rogue One that there was conflict between Mon Mothma and her side and Saw Gerrera. You know, it has been, you know, talked about a little bit in Andor as well and a little bit, you know, peppered through Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff like that. But there's, we still don't have a clear path from A to B. I like how they set it up here. So we were talking about cameos uh, earlier and, um, Sagarero is an interesting one here, um, for sure. And a necessary uh, we, one, yeah. Well, I mean, if you want this thing to go sideways, this is a good way to do it. He'll make it go uh, sideways. Yeah, well, like that's, super quick. And that's the thing is that, you know, it's you're getting hosed over by an ally, basically. Mm-hmm. So is he? keep going, Dave. I'm sorry. Yeah. So well, that's, I mean, that's his, that's his storytelling role, like in everything that we see him in. Um, and it is, it's, it's telling to me that he keeps popping up. I mean, like why he didn't need to be in Andor. Um, like he and Cassian didn't have any interaction that we knew of prior to Rogue One. Um, so there was no need for um, him to be in that story necessarily. And so why do you bring him aboard? And well, it's like to cr- create conflict. Well, and, and I think he's, well, I think he's also the rebellion's conscience. I mean, like you could go that direction, but you could go the opposite direction yeah. with it too. Like these are, you could say that he's a freaking lunatic, you know, um, he's too far, he's too far left. Um, you know, when we talk about this from a political perspective, you know, it's like, oh, well, you don't want to go full, you don't want to go full fascist. It's like, well, you don't want to go like too far left either. Cause then you get a guy like this who's out here killing innocents and saying that, oh, well, that's okay. That's well, okay. Just... Because my mission is a good one. And I guess I would just challenge uh, what you said, Aaron, regarding him being the heart. He's more. I didn't say the, the heart. heart. I didn't say the heart. I said the conscience. Because and let me well, exp- the conscience. But... Let me explain myself. Is that because like the thing, the problem with the rebellion, and if you want to bring this into real life sort of stuff, is like they're they're trying to, you know, basically sometimes you you got to, you know, play by the other guy's rules. Because otherwise, it's like if you're, you know, well, I was watching the Pelicans the other night and they were, mm-hmm. and, uh, who, God, who are they playing? It was, uh, Golden State. The Warriors. The it was Warriors. Golden yep. State. And they were getting, I mean, it, it was like they're getting hacked and all, just getting calls on them all over the place. And CJ McCollum comes out of nowhere and just bowls over, you know, uh, a player from the, the Warriors. And, you know, Britt and I looked, I was like, that might have been one of those things where it's like, all right, guys, we're, we're done being nicey nice now it didn't help them but i I mean i think that's what saw guerrera is there for is to you know say you're 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 putting the rules of the game 
above what you're what we should be ultimately trying to accomplish which is breaking free of the empire so you know so anyway i, I like i said i didn't say it was the heart but he's if he's not the conscious the he's conscience. Def- definitely the counterbalance to the problems with the other side but anyway go ahead no i was just going to say it. to me if i was going to transfer i would say saw is in many ways the dark side of the rebellion because while it's wonderful in some instances to be uncompromising, to have the clear goal in mind, we must defeat the empire. His methods and his matters are one that leave no room. I mean, he's being told, look, there's more good we can do if you hold off on what you're trying to do. And his response is, I don't care. Now, in a way, he is right. If he blows up Tarkin's building with Tarkin and Krennic and Hemlock and all the other guys in it, He's going to deal a massive blow to the Empire. Whatever goals and plans they have, yeah, you're going to leave it in the hands of underlings who are not caught up on other stuff. But it's his nature, and it keeps getting repeated over and over in all his appearances through Andor, Rebels, Jedi Fallen Order, that he cannot find a way to work with other people because to him, his mission is the only thing that matters, no matter the cost, whether it's to friend or foe. And I think that that clarity can also become, it becomes destructive. It's what ultimately ultimately kills him. Because he, I mean, what does he achieve? He blows up a a few ships, kills a few stormtroopers, and, you know, leads to the Bad Batch having their biggest defeat ever, unintentionally. But in the big scheme of things, he did nothing. He doesn't feel good about putting a hole in Target's building, but he was so poor at it that, you know, I, I'm always going to struggle with a character like Saul because his uncompromising vision doesn't get wedded to a lot of what, you know, it comes from a position where it says it's my way or the highway. And that's beautiful for people to latch into, but it's also not constructive in the long run. Right. In the end, it's not, you know, so I read, I read somebody's review of this episode and said, it's interesting that the one act that had the biggest impact from Saul was an act of love, was racing Generso. All his other actions ultimately didn't amount to as much as that act. So, to to Dave's mm-hmm. point, um, and you, uh, you said, yeah, what is saw there to, but to create you know conflict, and you're hundred percent correct. And like I said, I just want it. It's necessary at some point in all of these shows that are happening pre a New Hope or pre Rogue One, is that they have to explain where that conflict between saw and the rest of the rebellion came in because you know all we know is that it's there so this is this is the birth of that because the only time we've seen saw before this was when the bad batch was sent to onderon to take him out by tarkin in the like the very first episode of season one so um i i I, i'm with you that there's more to it right but i also feel like we've seen we know, right? We know at this point that they they don't get along, and we we have clear evidence as to why. And so, like, we're going to see more examples of this. I'm I'm confident of that. But um, uh, yeah, you know, every time saw, every time saw shows up, you're like, what? I'm, oh. So okay, I'm sorry. Let's just okay. So okay. we're talking we're talking about the guy who was like in Dateline, you know. No, I, mean, I, I have to go listen to it. I'm not even going to say it because I might be just totally off. It's a bold prediction. Um, but I'm actually what I'm going to say is, do you think at some point we're going to see Luthen in 
Bad Batch Bad maybe Batch? season three. Anyway, um, so okay, so they're so now everybody's got to get out. And did Saw get like shot or something? Or is, but he's 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 one injured. of his guys got wounded. Yeah, one of his yeah, yeah other here one of his guys. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh. But they're so they all got to get out of there. Um. And the, wouldn't you know it? The electricity goes off on the uh on the sky tram, and that's where we leave the first episode. And the second episode picks up, and um, the the empire starts shooting at the sky tram that has the the bad batch in it. And um, Tech sacrifices himself for the crew because he was dangling from a from a, a rope and. It was pulling the the tram down, and he he cut his rope and fell like Bucky Barnes. But I will, uh, and that was it was heartbreaking to see Wreckers and Omega's um, reaction to this. Um, I will say, however, like Bucky Barnes, we didn't see a body, so I think Tech would be probably be coming back. The only thing I retort to that, because it's a common refrain I've seen online, is this. We never saw Kanan Jarrus' body, ever, either. Yeah, you know, or um, Yeah, Mace but we Windu. did see his force ghost standing next to Hera. And we did hear his voice in Rise of Skywalker and everything. So I would, I would, I would argue... Um, and they, they left enough hints that, you know, that Kanan was living in through the force. Um, uh, the, the, the creep show doctor, uh, Hemlock was, uh, you know, like rubbing salt in the wound about that later on, which again, doesn't mean a lot as to actually whether he is dead or whether he is not dead, because this guy's going to say whatever he can to try to like, leverage these people into doing what he wants um but yeah you know like that guy's like on and on about how the guy died and everything um it wouldn't be a like a terrible surprise or shock if like oh he turns up in hemlock's lab uh mm -hmm. at some point and you're like oh they had him all along i, I actually i actually had the thought that he becomes the new echo kind of like how they got echo at the end of you know the clone wars season seven um that you know does the empire hook him up um like in a similar way anyway well, if, think it's like poetry ahead. it all rhymes anyway i was just gonna say if he doesn't come back what a, what a tragic end um i know that he was heroic and he he saved um the people that he cared about but um i i just i, I go back to that initial conversation um that he had um, with the potential love interest, and he was just clueless. He didn't know. Yeah, he had no idea. And then it's like, now you're gonna die, you know, without like ever having the possibility of understanding what that is or, or where it could go and seeing it through. Um, that just seems like a terrible tragedy to me, and um, that makes that makes his loss even more poignant to me. And let's take let's, well, I, let's stop let's stop for a second and just say how and point out how good the writing has has mm -hmm. been, you know about you know the character development, and you know 
the the you know like I said the themes of sacrifice the themes of family it's Filoni has done a really good job with it with a show that when they said we're coming out with the Bad Batch I didn't anticipate this kind of storytelling so Fredo yeah no uh, no I was gonna say the only thing that gives me pause regarding bringing back tech is think back to this season we've had such made so many tech moments whether it was the episode where he was pod racing basically or where the or the time that they spent showing how he and uh omega clash and then bonded over echo's decision to leave the bad badge and now to his purported relationship with fee so there was always this you know they've done a good job building all these characters but particularly tech has gotten a little bit more care as a tlc this season um so i think it was all towards the purpose of when he goes you're gonna feel it and the reaction online tells you the fan base felt it uh so i would be i would be surprised if they did that, that, all that legwork but then just go surprise he's still alive he didn't this, die this is, this you is, know yeah you know it, it you know you don't do that you, except this, you is brought, this, is, this is brought to you by the same people who separated baby yoda and din Djarin and broke everybody's hearts and then like four months later had them back together so i mean it it and it's also the, the I mean, only thing I'm, it's all it's also a kid's show i i mean it's just, but true but you know you know clone wars is a kid's show we i think i think dave of... is the judge here and i think he's already ruled that it would not be a big surprise if they brought tech back i think from a storytelling standpoint yeah. it it i think his having his sacrifice like this i think is probably more powerful if they don't bring him back, but he'll probably come back anyway. Dave, uh, I wouldn't say probably, but I would say that like I wouldn't be surprised, right? Um, Fair. And so like there we there we go. Um, I like, I kind of like this ending because again, it is tragic. It it did they did hint at it makes the season better. To Fredo's point, like this whole season becomes all the all the tech moments and like. The, the foreshadowing we were you know if you go back and listen to a couple of our episodes we we talk about the fact that we think is tech leaving eventually is he just gonna go, like go settle down somewhere because it doesn't feel like he's on the same track as everyone else here um and that these people are drifting apart um and so like there was a lot of foreshadowing and like we thought it might be toward the end of them separating not him dying um but it it hits and it hits in a really good way and so like i don't i wouldn't want them to undo it but i also wouldn't be surprised so they all go back to sids because i mean um omega gets like injured not kind of knocked out and goes in and out of consciousness by the way the uh the cam the i guess i'm gonna say the camera work there was was really well was really well done i really enjoyed it was almost like a saving private ryan type of you know moment. first person pov yeah it was kind of yeah, cool yeah. um yeah. but um and uh so they all go back to sid's and um then it turns out that sid has double crossed them and we knew something like that was coming that wasn't a surprise because they even told us you know again you know, watch, you know, watch her back, it. you know, and she's been getting kind of ticked, you know, a couple episodes ago that they kind of ghosted her. And so she took her 30 pieces of silver and, uh, you know, turned them all, turned them all in. 
And, uh, um, so at the end of the day, uh, Omega is captured by Hemlock. Um, but they kind of make it out to be like, they're using Omega to get to Nala say, Mm -hmm. does Hemlock not know? But Again, I, I take us back to earlier episodes when Lama Sue was saying they're alluding to she is she has some sort of I don't does Hemlock not know that she's part of the Bad Batch that she is also a um a uh what what they what the, the, the clone well a clone but um the, oh he doesn't know he the al- know. the altered clone the the you know anyway um, he didn't know. He didn't know. Like Namaste, we were we were debating whether he knew, um, or whether he was holding that information back as as kind of like a bargaining chip to play later. Um, but we don't have any re- any indication or reason to believe that he shared that information at this point. An enhanced um, clone, by the way, that's what I was thinking. She, yeah. What and we don't still don't know what her enhancement is. I still think it's force. But anyway, um, but it seems like he's again using her as a bargaining chip to get nala say to do something yeah because yeah, even which, she says at the end of the episode or or maybe there yeah. was it omega that says why am i here you know and, well, and, and nala say i mean and, and nala say even tells uh uh hemlock what the emperor wants is not possible so she has some idea there's something that the emperor has tasked hemlock with doing beyond just cloning which is interesting that not that now says like i don't know that that's something we can do or it's not something that our technology lets us do and he, that's when he threatens to her with you know with uh basically taking it out on omega that it wouldn't be uh her for suffering the consequences of the omega suffering the consequences so that's what she brought he had to get her because as lama su said that's the way you get to her that was also a nice little moment i i you know we jumped right over it because there was this this section is a little actiony and and somewhat disposable in some in some respects but i liked the moment when the uh atst came around the corner and started blowing crap very much chewbacca on indoor yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and they're like echo echo that's got to be echo yeah (laughs) yeah and it's like they knew and that was that was such a fun little moment And, and and of course they they said we're gonna go get her back, which of course they had to. Um, but that's important to know that, that this is what they're gonna dedicate themselves to. I just I got so frustrated by you know the, the double cross because it was so easy to see coming, and they knew they'd been warned. Yeah, well, um, that, yeah. Well, why did why did they why did they go? Yeah. There's so many doctors in the galaxy. I'm sure you could pick any doctor at random. Why I that heard somebody's... droid? Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I heard it had to do with the droid with uh, yeah. ACI. Uh, AC, you know that. That's why they went back to SIDS. Now, of course, let's also in their slight defense be fair. They just lost one of their brothers. They're all wounded. I mean, yeah. you saw uh, uh, wreckers in a neck brace, Good, but basically. Yeah, it's, it's easy. So, Let's go easy, not smart. Yeah. And not necessarily thinking straight because, yeah, they've been warned by other people about Sid's double crossing. Sid has flat out threatened them. Hey, don't think that I don't know stuff about you guys. 
And surprise, surprise, it's at the, what I love about it is not that it happened, but the execution of it, that it didn't happen at a moment where you thought, oh, she's catching them when they're on a high, or when they achieve something. No, she's catching them at the lowest moment when they're least likely to be putting up a fight or able to yeah. even put up a fight because they're, they're such a cohesive unit that taking now tech out of the equation leaves them kind of discombobulated. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to respond. So Wrecker charges at the, at the commandos. He gets taken out. Hunter tries to get rid of uh, of uh, Omega and not realizing, wait a minute, this child is now a member of our family. She's not just going to abandon us. Nothing is right. So they really get caught with their pants down. And that's what makes that that moment even worse is that Sid picked the worst moment to do that. And in a weird way, what's sad is she almost, it's almost like she couldn't fight her nature. She was sad that she was doing this to them at that moment. Because she's all down. She's, she's giving them drinks. She's like, looking downward she knows she screwed up but but it's almost like she's compelled to do this she's got no other way out so uh, that's it, it kids if you haven't watched the bad batch um you need to get you need to go watch it it's been you know I've, I've looked forward to watching that as much as i have the mandalorian um uh, there was a reveal at the end too did we mention that oh yes mm-hmm. we have not mentioned and actually you know i was actually a couple episodes ago the, it's the Camino doctor. And I was like, did they get the same person to voice her as they did Omega? It just sounds like it is like, man, that's la- and I was, and I was thinking that's really lazy because it did. It sounded, so, it sounded like the same, it sounded like the same voice and not just because they're both, you know, from Kiwi, Australia yeah. or, or yeah, New Zealand, New Zealand, you know, New Zealand. New Zealand. Um, but not just because of that, but it's, you know, it's like, it's, it literally sounded like, you know, the same person it's kind of like trey parker and cartman you know you just speed up the voice a little bit and you get cartman um and then to come find out that they are sisters and what and what does what does that what does that mean i think it means that she has another potential ally in this stew um and that's essentially like why would this doctor assistant person um help her other than empathy um which in and of itself could be something um but i think like she's being set up as a potential ally down the road uh is not there yet clearly um if she's omega's sister then she probably knows what her enhancement is Mm -hmm. i knows a lot about her so you know has she and are we to assume then she hasn't told hemlock what that is this is interesting they they, yeah that's that was kind of an it was there's nothing we can assume with this except it was just you know i am your sister credits that that cloning facility is going to be like ground zero for season three, right? And it's just going to yeah. be like where everything is set. We're going to find out as much information as we can about these characters through the, the, these people that are here in this setting. Uh, it, this is where we're going. And so like you've got a lot of palace intrigue possibility with people who might want to betray one another and aren't necessarily in alignment alignment was a big deal in season two for the the crew uh of the bad batch here 
Um, I think it's going to be an, a big deal again in season three for the people on the Imperial side of things. Uh, I don't think everybody is going to see eye to eye on all of this. Um, and so there's that. Um, and then there's the Omega story. We still don't know anything about her, where she came from, what she is, where she's going. Um, is she force sensitive? We don't know. Uh, is she key in this whole cloning thing? We don't know. Um, a person that could potentially shed light on that has now been introduced. Yeah. So like, I think like that's the other side of the coin too. Yeah. It's going to create an interesting dynamic. I think for season three in regards to, first of all, that, you know, the bad batch have no idea where this facility is. So they have to find some kind of way. I imagine that'll have them come back around to working with Rex and his mission that Echo is helping him out with, particularly now because it also involves all the work to do with the other clones. Um, it creates an interesting dynamic for them because now they're, I mean, there was a moment and obviously like any good story, you have to rip up, you know, you have to set up the potential for a different world. I love that before the Imperials come in, what's Hunter talking to uh, Omega about? Talking to her about maybe settling down, maybe, you know, their war is done. They, they've lost so much. Maybe they're just going to take what they got left and go live in peace. And here comes the Empire and takes all that away from them. So I wonder if that's what's going to be in part what we're going to see in season three, that that idea of can you be a soldier who has fought in a war like they have and go and have the opportunity to find peace away from war? Because it's one of the interesting elements that the Bad Batch is getting after. It's that element of after the fighting and the destruction and the death is over, how do you move on? And what we're finding out is that they're not being given a chance to move on because, well, their their bosses are all the the empire, and they're always going to see. Uh, are they either going to see them as assets to use or enemies to put down? It's going well, to turn out to be interesting. Like I have one question um, for for us, and I know that we have to talk Mando a little bit, but like this. Are they going to, we're pretty sure they're going to get a season three. I think some of the character actors at this point have said, yes, this is, this mm -hmm. is where we're going to head with this thing. Um, of course, that's a Disney decision. We'll find out next week. I'm sure. Right. I, yeah. Will we get anything beyond that? And should they be planning for just one more season and try to wrap everything up in a tidy bow at the end of three? Well, I mean, they got, they got a lot of, the the bad batch can can be the storytelling device for everything between revenge of the sith and a new hope i mean or you know up to at least up to rogue one which is basically a new hope um so it can be that it could be that storytelling device it's like what they've talked about the mandalorian where it's uh you know john favreau said you know we could there's no there's no ceiling on this right now you know, we can we can keep on a going until you get to the first order and even even beyond. So, I mean, as long as I mean, as I think as long as Disney sees it as profitable. I mean, they got a lot. There's a lot of story because right now they've only, you know, covered what about maybe two years of, you know, from Order 66 forward so you got what 16 more to go i'm i'm apprehensive because of just the fact that they're 
they're they're pulling in the reins a little bit right now. Um, Willow recently didn't get renewed. Um, and we know that Iger has been saying, hey, we're spending too much money on sports and we're just spending too much money on streaming. And um, there's, there's the possibility that like three is not a given. I think they're going to do it because there's just so many, you know, hanging threads still. But I don't know about beyond three at this point. Yeah, I could see where three is. Because remember, it's still going to take them another year or so to record, animate, special effects, the whole nine. And uh, I wonder if maybe with the success of Visions, they might want to go, okay, let's let some outside studios that don't cost us money, you know, as much money to take the lead on the animation element for at least a little bit. Uh, and also because, let's face it, Dave Filoni is one guy. I know. I know that the Star Wars Uber nerds of the internet think you can sit in a in front of a computer and just levitate and just make the Star Wars universe happen. But no, he's he's focused entirely right now on Ahsoka. We got other stuff coming down, so I could see where they look at it from the standpoint. And look, let's be fair. He wasn't the guy running the Bad Batch. He was involved, but he wasn't the, no, like that hunter. So I could see where they look at it from the standpoint and go, "We have enough story to fill out the twenty 22 episodes of season three. We're going to tie it up with a nice neat bow, leave it there. And then if we want to continue telling a further story down the line, they could always bring back Omega. They could always bring back some of these other characters in a different element, much the same way as they're repurposing the cast of Rebels for other shows now, you know, in different mediums. So it's interesting to think about what they'll do, but also to think it wouldn't surprise me to go one more season, knock it out the park. Because that's it's better than be waiting forever. Again, my my take on this is that it depends on a is it popular, and I could see Disney saying, "Okay, we're going to give you three shows to wrap." Yeah, up. No, yeah, I'm, 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 no, I'm saying I'm saying you can't just keep making Star Wars shows. It's like you got you you get uh-huh. you get three a you year three. or something, you know, and so or two or you know. So is it does Lucasfilm decide? This is our best storytelling device. Where do you have stories to tell? If you have no stories to tell, then they're not going to make it. Um, so, um, I mean, right. ultimately, it's you know not just cutting across the board, but it's going to be you know, and with with all due respect, Willow is not Star Wars. Willow does not have the gravitas that Star Wars does. And so Willow not getting a second season is not as surprising. The the Willow sequel on Disney Plus is not as surprising to me as if they were to say, you know what? No, we're not going to do season four of The Mandalorian. That would shock me. You know, so um, anyway. Um, but it, it, in this time, <laughs> in this time where, you know, Disney's doing layoffs and Disney's cutting and every corporation is cutting things just, you know, because it seems like the corporation before them is cutting things. Um, I, it, it also would not surprise me if they I just hope this does not turn into National Treasure 2 and they left us on a huge cliffhanger <laughs> and we never get the reason. And, you know, then I have to read a comic book. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the Mandalorian um, because uh, yeah, we've ta- just talked a lot about the Bad Batch. Uh, Mandalorian, we have the pirate, and um, 
not gonna lie, I knew that it was going to be the guy that looks like um, uh, Swiss Shard. Well, I, I, I was saying, I was thinking he looks Ace like. Uh, well, he looks like yeah. Somebody <laughs> say he looks like Pizza the Hut meets, uh, you know. Um, but it was so. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, Orion that's a, Shard. That's the, that's the thing that's so frustrating with the stuff that looks so good. And I said this to Britt. The things that look so good in this series so far this season, to have like it, it, it looks like the, the, the bad guy in Galaxy Quest. It's just it, it's just <laughs> bad. You know, it's like it's just it's just bad. Anyway, um, so we so we get uh, so we open up on Navarro, and Navarro is you know. Welcome to Duloc. It's a happy place. You know, it's everything's going great. And but the pirates no, are no, pissed. Aaron. What? Aaron, Aaron. There was a peaceful town called Rock. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Um, so uh <laughs> and all at once the trouble started. A pack of murderers and thieves. Yes, okay, folks. I'm sorry. And now it's even more uh, I'm gonna fast forward to the, the, the third act of this episode of The Mandalorian is straight out of blazing saddles and now we're realizing that it's the whole episode is blazing saddles anyway uh we'll get to that in a little bit uh so the pirate ship which was a like i said a really cool looking ship too that's the thing that i'm su- so surprised at that the the the, the captain. ships no the ships just look so good and then <laughs> it looks the like <laughs> it looks like a sock pup, puppet you know But anyway, um, so the the pirates start attacking Navarro, and Popeye, and um, uh, and, and so he and so Grief Karga sends a message, and please help me if I skip anything, but sends a message to um, not who we thought he was going to send it. I thought he was going to send it to Mando straight up, but he sends a message to. Uh, Carson Tiva. Don't remember who that is. He is the uh, the New Republic cop in the X-wing that uh, has popped up in each season, um, and who's convinced that bad stuff is happening on the Outer Rim and beyond. Um, and Grief Karga. It's kind of interesting because you know a couple episodes ago he makes the big point of saying we're not part of the New Republic, but then you know we want to be an independent state, and then you know calls on the new republic for help and i'm sorry this is like those states that are like we don't need the federal government we're going to secede from the union and then when a hurricane hits their you know illustrious state then they hug the president when he shows up on the tarmac anyway um sorry to get political there folks but that's just the way things happen i mean you need help you need help that's but and we'll get to there's an interesting point of that here in a little bit um so carson tiva um, gets this transmission in a, I don't know, PX. Would you say it was like, it was just a bunch of X-Wing yeah. pilots. And the, uh, I have never been so giddy watching an episode of the Mandalorian as when, I mean, I lit up like a Christmas tree to see live action Zeb from rebels. And good. 
He look. I mean, Mark, you talk about how bad, how bad the Pirate King looks. Seb looks amazing. <laughs> he looks, yeah, he looks the opposite end of the spectrum better because it was incredible. And of course, yeah. it was the same voice actor and everything. And it was just, it was like you just saw uh, your long lost friend. At least to me, I didn't realize mm-hmm. how much of a fan of Rebels I am. Then when I saw Zeb and to see it that good, it was like, oh, this was awesome. And we talk about like cameos for the sake of cameos and like sometimes they just fall flat and you're like, what, what are we doing? Um, but like, yeah, this was like seeing, like you said, seeing an old friend. Um, and it, uh, I was thinking the same way about when the N1 Naboo um, fighter made an appearance. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when uh, Den was looking for new wheels and, and it was in, and it was a freaking N1 and I'm like, oh you know know it's like and and in both instances well i guess it's a little bit different uh, with with the n1 because they actually name drop all of that in this with zeb they don't they don't give his name if you never watched rebels you don't know you just think that some creature came up and started talking to to carson tiva and it's the fact that it was the exact same voice and it was it so those of us who watch rebels it was, it, you know, like I said, it wasn't like, oh, hey, kids, it's Zeb, you know, it's Zeb from Rebels, and he comes on stage. Right. It was just there, and it was natural, and it was cool. Um, but yeah, it does I what mean, a great, yeah, it does what a great cameo does. It doesn't call attention to itself unless you have done the homework, the summer reading. If you've done it, yeah, you can always tell in the reaction videos of people who is a Rebels fan and who's just watching the Mandalorian because the Rebels fans, they were like, and, and the, the only question I really had at the start was because when I first saw it, I thought, oh, cool, it's a Lassad. It's a member of Seb's race. Right. It's not It's not till he started talking. I went, that sounds like Seb. And it made yeah. me wait till the credits for me to go, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, McClunky or Carabas. I guess Carabas would be appropriate. Carabas works. That, oh. that was... That that's when that's when they hit me. Oh, they did it, and that, that I had to go back and look and go. He looks incredible. It looks we, amazing because it was just awesome. So we have to we have to pause real quick because okay, so yeah. so we do get from the epilogue in Rebels um, that Zeb takes Callus to uh, uh, his, his home, home, home world, yeah. um, you, um... but we can assume that Zeb is you know obviously probably fought in well maybe he didn't fight in the battle end or who knows yeah, that wasn't dropped maybe he was on um Lirisan, Lirisan. Yeah. but anyway he's obviously working for the new republic i mean because that was straight up yeah. you know like i said a px i mean it was you know military um so yeah i think that was setting i think this was r&d for um ahsoka Yes. Um, and like it was impossible to not let your mind like go there. Once you begin like same thought process as Fredo, like, oh, gosh, uh, he looks great. He's from the same race as Zeb, uh, you know. Oh, gosh, is that Zeb? Is that actually him? You know, uh, holy crap, it is him. And then your mind starts to go, well, why is he here? And yeah um this is going to tie in 
with Ahsoka. And, and setting up that whole Star Wars Avengers thing that we talked about earlier. Exactly. Um, like, that's where we're headed. Um, God dang, did they do a good job with that? Or, or maybe I need to go watch it again. I mean, I was just, I was, it did not look, and I don't mean this to disparage Jar Jar, but, you know, and Jar Jar was the, 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 just the way the, the execution of that character in Phantom Menace was, and, you know, and in the, in the prequels was good for the time. But I'm worried when you get like a CGI character like that, you know, now sometimes it ends up looking like it did back in 1999, you know, and it didn't. By God, it just looked like, you know, somebody put on a costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it, it, the, uh, the compositing work, which is the term for when they mix all these special effects with the live effects, with the lighting, the sound, everything was so excellent so that you never doubted that these two individuals were sharing the same space at the same time which which is again that's the mark of good special effects you don't question it you just go with it yeah all right uh, i think that's what's so well done so all right so we just we just good and god over that um but uh (laughs) so carson tiva then goes to coruscant to try to get um uh resources to go check all this out because again um navarro's not part of the new republic and uh, tim meadows was like what tim meadows is in this but anyway um so he goes he to was this, perfect he goes to this requisition officer you know and they that's where they have their whole you know it, it again shows the new republic as a, a bureaucracy and ineffective in over their heads and not knowing how to govern and again, we go back, I said, Saw Guerrero was the conscience, you know, Carson Tiva is kind of the conscience of the new Republic right now. And it's just, you're fighting bureaucracy. Um, but what's interesting here is that who is working in that same office, but, um, uh, Alaya Kane and she comes in with this, you know, sometimes you got to smack somebody across the face for them to get in line, you know, total. I mean, it was. It was a, Imperial 101. It was Imperial 101, but she was like, no, I was liberated. I, and I couldn't tell. It's like, it, well, and I could tell. I mean, it was obviously very much she's throwing things in, their, in his face, you know, because mm-hmm. Carson T was like, you were captured. She's like, no, I was liberated. That's what you mm-hmm. all told me was that I was liberated. So, you know, but. Um, it was that was just an it. What'd you think of this whole Tim Meadows, Elia Kane, Carson Tiva interaction here? Sort of pissed me off, but I think I was supposed to. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just like, ah, this is going nowhere and it's going nowhere fast. You need to just get out of here and find a different option. And the, the different option, of course, would end up being Din. And the Mandalorians. All right, so let's okay. So we're 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 going there. So let's go there real quick. Um, Carson Tiva finds his way to the covert because a former a a former uh, buddy from the rebellion is in their midst, and I was like, who who is the Mandalorian? And it was R five D four. Because remember, (laughs) it was said a couple episodes ago that he was from in the rebellion. Now I'm sitting there going. 
what did R5D4 do between blowing up on the Lars homestead <laughs> and what did he do for the rebellion? And then, he, and then he ended up back on Tatooine. Right. That's <laughs> I'm so, so there has to be a story here to be told because that's, yeah. that's some straight up BS to just throw that out there, you know, without any sort of context. But, um, mm-hmm. I dug this whole interaction with Carson Tiva and the Mandalorians. He's, he was like, do you think I'm dumb enough to try to take on all the, these Mandalorians at once? <laughs> but, yeah. uh, um, so I'm sorry if I'm hustling through some things. If it will, uh, it, so then they have a towns meeting about, you know, of the Mandalorians of what they should do. Should they help grief Karga? And, um, I, I got to admit, they they suckered me just as much as they suckered everybody else, you know, um, when Paz Vizsla got up and said, you know, we got to ask ourselves why, why we should help this guy and blah, blah. And he goes, because we're Mandalorians. And the to here, here, yeah, Reverend. <laughs> here, but, but here you got Bo-Katan and Din Djarin both in helmets. And they, the, whoever's under those helmets did great acting by going, you know wtf what just you know what just happened here um so yeah that was so i guess were you surprised that it was paz vizsla to uh to stay were, were you guys suckered in by that it makes sense storytelling now because it's like they helped my kid you know he we're we're all in this together we're mandalorians this is what but um i don't know what'd you think of this whole town's meeting and yes, see, we're back to blazing saddles. I'm sorry. This is making my point even more. Go ahead. I, I think it's necessary. I think you need to have it. Not just because it's going to be interesting when discussing later on the finale, just as point of view of um, how Mandalorians decide whether or not to get involved, how they manage things. There's some stuff they listen to the armor, but there's some stuff that it seems like they're far more communal particularly when it comes to battle, particularly comes to, are you willing to put your life on the line? And this was, that's what this is all about. And this was far more democratic. However, very much Lord of the Mm -hmm. flies where you have to be holding the conch shell to be able to talk. Uh, That was weird. Um, I don't know. Dave, what'd you think about the whole scene? Yeah. I mean, it was awkward, but then again, like, um, uh, it worked. It worked just fine. The, I liked that they centered on this idea of the land. And like you said, we make fun of you're making fun of it for the blazing saddles remake. Um, but it, it makes sense. Like he, he's been offered land and grief cargo has the ability to, you know, do that and follow through on that for them. And they need a place to be and grow and, and they can offer protection because clearly this community needs protection because we've seen pirates lay waste to them, you know, now at this point. And so um, it all sort of makes this, sense. This is now the second major occupying force that's landed on their front door and blasted its kingdom come. So, mm-hmm. and about the third battle we've seen on the streets of Navarro. So there's something to the idea of, okay, we can go in there and help them keep the peace on one hand but also when you consider from the standpoint of the mandalorians 
being refugees, being outcasts, people without a land, people without a home. The fact that somebody's willingly offering them, here's something that could be yours, that you could raise your kids. And I think that's part of the allure for somebody like Paz Vizsla, who last episode we found out has a kid, is the idea of not just, we don't, we can't just simply be going from sewers to caves next to giant crocodiles and winged, uh, you know, pterodactyls that come steal our children. We actually need a place that's ours where we will be safe, where we can think about a future. And the, this offer comes at the right moment, I think, for them to go, yeah, let's do that there. But um, it's interesting. It's interesting that their their solution is far more different. It's, we can go there and help them out. And not only can we help them out, we can bring some stability and peace to a place where we've shed blood. And Yeah, so I haven't had a chance to explain myself. Yeah, the whole, like I said, this whole thing is the, the, the third act of... Uh, I don't care if it's the last act of Henry VIII. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm going to keep going with Blazing Saddles stuff here. But this whole last third act is all from Blazing Saddles because the the railroad workers, all they want is a track of land to homestead and um, they'll help, you know, the townsfolk of Rock Ridge to run out Hedley Lamar and his thugs. And that's what, and I'm not criticizing. It's a story trope it, and I get it, but it was just so funny to me. Um, yeah, I expect them to go busting into a soundstage and throw out your hands, stick out your tush. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, so, I was wondering if uh, Off Gideon was the French mistake. So, okay, we got to get there. So, okay, so battle ensues, and Bo-Katan is, um, well, first of all, Din is uh, luring the, the snub fighters away, and Bo-Katan then goes, um, drops in all the mandos, and it's Call of Duty, like, going on, you know, on the streets of Navarro. The, the the armorer is beating everybody, you know, whomping and a whooping within an inch of their life. <laughs> um, but uh, people with hammers. And uh, so uh, they end up taking the town. And um, so the, the there's an inch. So at the end, there's an interesting interact. Well, first of all, Paz Vizla goes up to Bo-Katan and says, the armorer wants to talk to you. And my wife said, well, that's nothing ominous about that. And I was like, yeah, no kidding. So the armorer tells Bo-Katan to take off her helmet. And this was a, this was a stressful scene. I mean, mm. and she, and she said to Bo-Katan, said, do you respect, Bo-Katan's like, well, I'm not supposed to take off my helmet. She said, do you respect my station? She said, yes, I do. She said, take off your helmet. Because the armorer says the only way we're going to get all the Mandalorians together is if the Catholics and the Protestants can work together. I, I mean, that's sorry, kids. That's kind of what's going on here, you know, and it's, we got We got to quit fighting about our differences. So that's the obvious thing. But I wonder if the armor sees Bo-Katan as a threat. So it's better to keep your threats close to you than to let, because Bo-Katan is starting to get, the respect of and and earning some street cred with these other Mandalorians and you know people in power are most afraid of losing power I, I'm just I'm just saying that it's just the mm -hmm. obvious thing right there on screen is that we need to get everybody together so we can have all of Mandalore back together and that may be but the interesting thing is like I said I see this as a threat to my power so it's better to have her working with me than possibly 
kicking me over. I guess, I guess the the only thing I would question because you're not wrong. I mean, there there's that line of thought that potentially could be. Uh, the one caveat I was uh, I'm going to throw in there is simply that Bocatan is not in a place, maybe not at this moment, to even consider that. Just see it from their hesitation to remove her helmet. I mean, this was somebody who in season two was disparaging everything that the armor and dense people or cult believed in and now a few weeks with them and she's very much afraid of of getting kicked out of the group that she's been in so i don't necessarily know that she would have been maybe at a later point i also do think that armor is not wrong that the children of the watch are one sect within mandalorian culture if they plan on retaking mandalore now that they know that mandalore is habitable that they can go back to their home they're going to have a temporary home in Navarro, but that's not the spiritual home of the Mandalorians. That's Mandalore. Then the one person who can, who's got street cred enough with all these other sects is Bo-Katan. Weirdly enough, it's not Din, it's not Paz Vizsla, it's not even the armor. Who, the armor's role is more of a spiritual leader as opposed to a political leader. So even if, say, uh, Bo-Katan rose up in authority to a position of leadership, don't necessarily think she would be challenging the armor per se. It'd be kind of like the difference between a king and a pope. She, yeah, Bo-Katan could be a queen. But the armor is always going to have that authority vested on the fact that she is, in many ways, the embodiment of Mandalorian creed. But you could be right. Yeah, there there could still be some conflict there. We don't we just don't know yet. Yeah. With the um, helmets, especially again, we said it last week, you can't read facial expressions, but go ahead, Dave. I you know, like I'm with you about the stress of that scene. I was like, is she gonna take her head off? I mean, like honestly, like at that point, I was like, she might just freaking stab her in the face. I, I, I don't even know at this point. What what's your end game? Um We've never seen the armorer's face, and and that sort of lends credence to this idea that uh, how far can we trust this person? Um, and I was hundred hundred percent expecting her when they went walking into the rest of the Mandalorians, and you know Bo-Katan has her helmet off, and everybody's like, "What's she doing?" <laughs> I was expecting the armorer to take her helmet off. But, oh no, I was I was going to I was waiting for her to be like, "Look at this idiot over here! Yeah. Took her helmet off. Get her!" You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, like, I don't trust her at this point still, for whatever reason. Um, there's just a lot there. Um, and it, like, maybe part of it's the horns and the Darth Maul and the potential Darth Maul connection and all that. So, like, we don't know. Bottom line. But um, taking at face value, yeah, yeah. Like, she's not going... Like, if she's being this fanatic who won't take her helmet off, she's not going to be able to relate to uh, other members of uh, of other tribes. It's just not going to happen because they're going to be like, take your helmet off, dummy. And mm-hmm. and so, like, the armor, like, relieved her of that. Like, okay, now you've taken it off. Go forward, you know, and that's yeah. And I'm sorry, that's I think the whole thing as well. You know, I I know I throw because I'm always of two minds of things, and the the clear and obvious path, like I said, is that we're we got to get everybody together. But the other the other thing, this is a leadership. You know, this is a leadership lesson that your way isn't always the way. 
that other people have ways that can help you, you know, even make a company or a team or a project better. It's not just your way or the highway, you know, and too many and some of the worst leaders are the ones who are just like, nope, we're doing my thing and we're doing yeah. this. And it's the it's the leaders like the Abraham Lincolns who will get people around him who disagree with him, you know, so that, you know, that that's how projects get better. Um, so I think that's an interesting point that they might be making as well. Hey, I've, oh, go ahead, Fredo. No, I was just going to say, and it makes me wonder, because we saw that Boca 10, when we first got reintroduced, or was running around with a few other night owls. Makes me wonder how they're going to feel when she comes back in a different frame of mind regarding the children of the watch. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, that's going to create some conflict for Book of Ten, where it's like, wait a minute, you you're not taking up with the with these weird cultists now, have you? You know, so it's going to create a, an interesting dynamic for her regarding as a challenge to leadership, as a growth for leadership is. She's going to have to find a way to sell. Okay, I know we've. That difference is how do we come together? I want Paz Vizsla to say, but we don't want the Irish. <laughs> blazing Saddles Fuck. is awesome. Yeah, Blazing Saddles again. Uh, so um, I've had a thought and I've, 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 I've sort of circled around this since the show started and we're, we're here now and it seems relevant now. That in that, how many Mandalorians do we see in the sequel trilogy? Yeah, none. Um, Big fat sip. Yeah, and I can't shake the feeling that it's it's for a reason. Um, you know, again, like for them, for Disney, the large corporation, of course, it's like, well, we don't want to like touch that. Like, you know, Filoni's going to do his thing, whatever. It's like, fine, whatever. We're not, we're not touching that. Um, okay, fine. Um, it stretches credibility for there to not be a Mandalorian in that like final battle or whatever. Um, when they're like the entire galaxy's coming together. Think about that, how that moment and how that doesn't work and how like it could have worked so much better if you'd had like, a heavy Mandalorian presence in the middle of that. And you've been like, Whoa, you know, um, didn't do that. So like, are we headed towards a position where they get wiped out? Um, they go into hiding again. They go back underground. They go to Mandalore and they're like, leave us alone. We're going to live on Mandalore. Nobody, nobody talked to us. Um, there's a few different possibilities and there's a few different directions they could go with it. But like, you know, there's this, it, it, it could be, um, you know, it could be one of those things where you know, the way you set this up is the new Republic shuns them somehow. Like we don't want anything to do with the Mandalorians. I, yeah. I don't know. Um, that's a good well, point. It's a good <laughs> point though, but it's like, so again, it comes back to our, if we knew we were going to be telling this Mandalorian story, why didn't we work some of it into here? It goes back to the story group. It's like, why don't we have, you know, somebody with the big, like the meme of the, you know, the 
all the you know plaque you know the the note Guy, cards with red yeah, note cards. Yeah. yeah. Why don't we have somebody connecting all these dots before we start writing things? Um, because and I'm sorry because we're we're going to yeah. push us along here. There's one last scene where Carson Tava comes up against a Lambda shuttle. A Lambda shuttle. Everybody is the Imperial shuttle um, that you see in Return of the Jedi that has side of it blown out and it's just dead in the water if you will and it turns out that that was the shuttle that was carrying moff gideon and moff gideon is not in the shuttle there are other bodies in there which are all new republic bodies but moff gideon is not so moff gideon did not make it to trial and he's out there so um i think we're going to obviously start seeing a little bit more of him in future episodes there is Beskar. there's Beskar at the scene of the crime well too, you know so. but here's yeah, that's that's interesting and you know so that's the dun 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 but yeah, let's exactly. but let's remember what Bo-Katan said in the second episode said that because when when um din says where's all your people basically said they're off being mercenaries and so yeah, I mean, so I think there's, there's, it's probably going to be, um, what Sasha Banks and what's his bucket, maybe, you know, going to be ones that they're paid money to go spring Moff Gideon. Doesn't make them Moff Gideon's stooges, but they're, they're being Boba Fett from, you know, from Empire Strikes Back. So, yeah. and I think what, you know, that may be part of the reason why we don't see Mandalorians in, uh, Rise of Skywalker's big moment. And maybe that's you know, what makes you know, the New I, Republic I, I, say, oh, we can't trust you. Yeah. Right, because there's always been a certain element of mistrust towards the, the warlike nature of the Mandalorians, they're, you know, who they are, even whether it was during the uh, the Clone Wars or afterwards. So there's always an element of mistrust towards the Mandalorians because of their creed and their nature so and their sense of belief so the fact that they must sprung one of the biggest war criminals the new republic has ever seen maybe leads towards that element i guess the bigger question is though who you know and i guess you know we're all suspecting who it is who's the person behind everything that carson t was seeing you know gideon's escape the attack on bo-katan's home a lie came infiltrating the new republic who who could it be? Who's who's that man behind the curtain? <laughs> we got handy luck, you know. We know he's well, out you know, there, and that's the thing is that this is not I, I, that is not even just like pulling out of your butt speculation. You had no. Ahsoka say, "Where is Grand Admiral Thrawn?" That's a, that's a name drop and a half. So, um, you know, you, and you have so yeah, I I I think that's kind of the. You know, the obvious direction yeah. we're gonna go yeah and because the other question because the issue is we only have three episodes left in this season of mandalorian so if it's gonna be thrown it makes me wonder if a we might see him at the finale or if it's something that works gonna be left as a cliffhanger for ahsoka's season one to solve. and if we are going to this like massive crossover thing you got i mean it, again, Rise of Skywalker. Well, actually, in the sequel trilogy, we don't have anything with Grand Admiral Thrawn. You know, so he's got to get wiped out. You know. Um, anyway, um, boy, whew, we had a lot to talk about today. Those mm. are some. That's some good yeah. Star Wars. Now, Bad Batch is done. 
Um, so we'll be just on Mando watch and, uh, some celebration stuff. Well, we won't be talking about celebration stuff next week yet, unless anything leaks. Um, but, uh, let us know what you thought of these episodes, uh, Mandalorian and the bad batch. Um, and again, kids, I think it's time you need to start watching rebels at least if you want to be really digging into what's going on, um, in Ahsoka and stuff like that. So it's an easy watch. It's an easy watch. It's not a long watch. Uh, it's not a dumb kids show. It's 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 really good. Um, Stick with the start of season one. That's the hard, hard biggest hurdle. The start, you know, this first that first half of season one. Once you get to the end of season one and then on, it just it's like potato chips. You just jump, yeah, jump, jump, eating one after the other. It is. It's like a can of Pringles um cool well all right well everybody have a great week and keep your eyes open for celebration announcements and stuff like that because uh and watch the live stream because you'll probably see some cool stuff but until then we will say who dat everybody have a great week my country